Lorca's men are everywhere. Even here aboard this ship. If you had known I was alive, they would have known too. It would have been impossible to ambush him the way that I did. Never could tell when you were lying to me. Fortunately, this time I know you always tried to outsmart me, Michael, even as a child. Why? Was it the loss of your parents? My attention to the Empire? Or were you just built that way? Why were you never satisfied? I knew you had become Lorca's collaborator. And you were conspiring to kill me and take my throne. Why did the two of you come back here? Please, Philippa. Is Philippa now? Not so long ago, it was mother. Take her to the throne room. Gather my counsel. She is to be executed by my own hand for treason. Welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show, your place for a detailed analysis of each episode of Star Trek Discovery. Now here are your hosts, Sean Ray and Rick Tatro. Hello everyone and welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. My name is Sean Ray and tonight we're going to be discussing the 12th episode of the first season of Star Trek Discovery. It was titled Vaulting Ambition and it was written by Jordan Nardino. And directed by Hanel M. Culpepper. And here with me is my co-host Rick, and his skin looks very dewy. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm doing so, sorry. I'm just just finishing up my dinner here. Are you Are you going to eat that ganglia? <laughs> <laughs> you bastard! I had exactly the same joke queued up. <laughs> I had that joke too. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this shit too long. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my Cosmic Potato co-host, John, how are you, sir? I don't make jokes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, joining us are a couple of people you'll recognize from other shows here on the network. First uh, from Movie News is Jen. How are you? Oh, dandy. (laughs) (laughs) And from Movie News and Little Pot of Horrors is Boz. How are you, sir? I'm very good, apart from finding out that I have no originality to my sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) And given that it's 2 a.m. right now, there's no more jokes forthcoming, although I was going to say that the ganglia was stuck in my teeth. Oh, Oh, man. The look on her face when she had to eat the ganglia, too. It was just... I was like, she'll never be able to look Saru in the eye again. (laughs) Like poker. I, I figured we were going to discuss that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, after every episode of this uh, of this series, I feel elated, and I feel like it's like the best thing that I've ever seen. And I felt that way last night until I started making notes for the show, and then I realized there's some things that are harder to swallow than a Tide Pod. <laughs> but uh, 
<laughs> but we'll get into all that. I want to go around the circle and uh, see what you guys thought about the episode overall. So like like a thumbs up, thumbs down, or a rating, or whatever whatever you want to do. So uh, Jen, what'd you think about this episode? Um, I give it a three out of four. It had some, a lot of good points. Had some kind of lame points, but we'll discuss those. Yeah. <laughs> Boz? Um, it's not my favorite yet, but it seems it, this seems to happen a lot with this this series. Um, in that there are bits I absolutely love, and other bits that take me out of it a little bit. So it's kind of a middle one for me because there were more down points for me this time than usual. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at really. So it's a thumb hovering between two, up or down. It's sort of, it's horizontal. <laughs> the, uh, 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 what movie was that with the sideways thumb? The Gladiator. The Gladiator thumb. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> John, what'd you think? Uh, I I liked it. I, I you know kind of the same thing as last week where you know all the big reveals are things that. You know, the internet had already kind of figured out, but I still, I think they did it in a way that it was still entertaining to watch. Um, I can't say, like, you know, you, can't, you said kind of as you were going back through it, you, you had second thoughts. I may have, but I kept falling asleep, <laughs> like, on my second viewing. Not because it was necessarily boring, but it was just very late. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so you may, you may open my eyes to some flaws that I missed. But I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Rick? I am torn almost completely in half by this episode because uh, I hate it. I absolutely hate that we are still in the fucking Mirror Universe. Um, <laughs> and I'll elaborate on that later. <laughs> don't. don't and, yeah. like an allergy. Um, however, that being said, it's it's a captivating wonderful episode to watch and everybody's on you know totally at the top of their game so like i watched it twice last night it's blissfully short it's probably the shortest episode they've done so far um clocking it i think just right around 38 minutes um but uh you know everyone does a great job it's not painful to watch i'm just really 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 upset uh with uh, I'll, I'll elaborate later. So I'm, I'm, I've got, I've got like one thumb way up for for the job they did, and one thumb way down for where they're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I've got a, I've got a gotcha. feeling that we're probably gonna. There's three episodes left after this. I'm pretty sure we're gonna be in the mirror universe until the last episode, maybe the next to the last episode, or something like that. That's, that's just the way that I see it going. But uh, this is definitely the most violent episode that I remember seeing uh, so far in the series. Uh, I mean, just the scene where Jojo throws the little fidget spinner. That <laughs> oh, God. I was like, uh, oh. okay. Uh, well, I, I was so thinking of the scene in Wanted where... Yeah, um, I thought of that too. She yeah. shoots everybody. Yeah. I, I just think that they, whatever the guidance system in that little spinning disc thing is, they really need to put that in the torpedo chambers because I think it'd be a lot more useful. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think that was just her ninja skills, <laughs> her crouching tiger sure hidden have, dragon skills. <laughs> everyone on the ship is implanted with a little magnet. They don't know. <laughs> in the base of their cranium when they come on board, just in case. 
<laughs> John, did you write a uh, plot a plot summary? I did. Okay. So <clears throat> let's, let's hear the the summary. There we go. Uh, usually, in a Star Trek episode, there's a main plot and a lesser, usually more comical, lower stakes B plot. Not always, but often. And uh, this episode went a different route. Instead of having a main storyline and a B-plot, it had like four main-ish plots. Uh, basically, every major character had their own storyline, and all of them were significantly significant. Uh, for example, number one, Michael and Giorgio had their reunion on the Imperial Palace ship, the Charon. Side note, for those of you who are familiar with mythology, that was the name of the ferryman and the, of the dead, so it was nice symmetry. Don't with, um, pay the ferryman. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You're welcome. You, you knew we were well, going to go there. Come on. I, 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 I didn't, and I'm actually annoyed at myself because I can't remember the name of the artist. I was oh. just going to say, don't sing on podcasts, but there we are. <laughs> <laughs> so at, at some point, I'm going to shout out a random 80s one-hit wonder and <laughs> just be prepared. Um so yeah, so Burnham and Giorgio ended up on another ship of the dead. Uh, they also had a Kaiser Sose moment, which I'm always a sucker for. Big fan. Uh, meanwhile, Stamets is still trapped in the fungus verse, where he encounters Mirror Universe Stamets, who tells him that he's also trapped in a catatonic state on his ship, and they have to work together to escape. And he encounters a special someone in the Mycelial Network, a very special friend. No spoilers. Yeah, whatever. Like hell, there are. Yet. Everything <laughs> <laughs> gag was a spoiler. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, men will. I'm, I'm calling him Tylash Vockler. Okay. Uh, he is stuck in <laughs> he's stuck in sick base, suffering the horrible effects of his fractured me- mentality. Uh, not knowing what else to do, Saru goes to the other person who can help him, Laurel, the uh, treacherous winch that just happened to have in a brig. Meanwhile, <laughs> Captain Lorca is back in the agony booth. Oh, Captain Lorca, you in that agony booth. He's getting tortured, as one does, uh, when something unexpected happens. Ooh, what could it be? Dun, dun, dun. Although we spent the least amount of time with him during the episode, what happens to him is just as significant as what happens to the other characters, possibly even more so, since his is the only day who seems to be going according to plan. <laughs> Uh, I think that's everyone. This episode worked for me for the same reason that the last one did. Uh, they try not to stretch out the big reveal for longer than an episode. Um, big mystery that the that the audience uh, has already kind of figured out. Well, fine. Here you go. I hope you choke on it, says the writers. <laughs> uh, uh, at this point, I think I'm flying blind again. I, I don't think I've got any more major spoilers figured out. And I personally prefer that. I love that feeling. Um, also, John, myself, before you forget, insert joke about someone being a chicken and tasting like a kelpian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when 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 she goes into the throne room and and Giorgio tells her choose one, and there's three or four kelpians standing there. I thought she was choosing one to be like her personal slave. Yeah, or something me too. Like that. And then, then so did I, she. I know yeah. it was like she was picking a lobster. Did you, pretty much. <laughs> did you watch the episode twice? Yeah. I didn't get to watch this episode. Because that that yeah. moment, because the first time through, I was the same thing. Oh, you know, she's getting someone to to shine her boots while she's on the ship, 
And then it, yeah. it actually didn't occur to me until my second viewing. And when she says, choose a Kelpie, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what you like. <laughs> and she picked the one that looked like Saru. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. that, that's yeah. got to make her feel even worse. Yeah. Got to wait the, yeah. the soup just... She just let this fall off the spoon once she figured out what it was. Oh, gotta give gotta <laughs> give uh, Sonequa Martin Green even more props for that moment because yeah, was, the way she, she she looked so like she was gonna just puke all over the table. And, <laughs> and then how she ate the 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 ganglia of the oh, uh, that was <laughs> like I said, everybody yeah. was at the top of their game in this episode. They, there was there was you know I watched it twice. It was not in any way difficult to watch uh for me uh you know and every time we got to the end it 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 was just like oh it's over already wow um and i did i shed a tear or two during the scene the scene um i I just okay I'll, i'll just get this out of the way now so i don't have to keep hinting at it and stuff the fact that Lork, okay, here we go with the spoilers, folks. So you know, you you know the drill. If you've been listening to the show, you know. So it's your own fault. <laughs> so the fact that Lorca is in fact Mirror Lorca, which we've been speculating for quite a while now that he is, but to have it confirmed now makes the entire series a Mirror Universe episode. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, right. And as as a, 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 a I was chatting about this with somebody on the uh, old Trekkies who don't have their shorts in a bunch about new Trek uh, Facebook site, Facebook group. Um, And uh, we we were talking about this very thing. And because I was saying that if there is no, uh, you know, if there is no lasting payoff in the prime universe to everything that happens in the, in the mirror universe, then this entire season has just been a waste of time. Um, and, uh, we, we were going back and forth on this and he, and he said, uh, at this point, it looks like the whole arc is the story of an asshole who wanted to become the emperor. And I was like, that is a brilliant summation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, because I know some people are assuming, and I did for a little bit that this Lorca is the mirror universe equivalent of a freedom fighter, but I don't think so. I he's I don't think he's trying to take down an oppressive regime. He's trying to seize power for himself. And in which case he is no better than than Emperor Giorgio. Uh and unless they're able to bring something out of what's happening here in the mirror universe into the Klingon war, then at least the last three well, we've had two it, has it only been two? Mirror Universe episodes or three now? It's been three. This is the, this third, is the one. third one. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we know we've got at least one more. And I, you know, so four out of 15 episodes and maybe five out of 15 episodes. So that would be a third of this stuff takes place in the, in the Mirror Universe and has a real potential to ultimately mean nothing. Because we know the Empire is not going to fall. It does fall. Uh, it does. Yes. Not yet. We don't know when it falls. We know it falls after Kirk and Spock influence it. True. Yeah, all right. Um, so, aside from who's in power, which I really couldn't give two shits about, uh, nothing significant is going to change in the Mirror Universe. And even if it did, I don't care. 
I didn't tune in yeah. to see the further adventures of the ISS Discovery. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're not going to see that. You know, they are going to get back. That's pretty damn clear. Um, I'm really worried now about either A, well, no, I, I'm really worried about them hitting the reset button. That somehow Stamets is going to figure out a way to get them back to the Prime Universe and do it in a temporal way where nothing happened. I I thought that when he he lost his beloved, to be honest. Yeah. I thought, have they really got the balls to do this and stick with it, um, or are we going to get a re a redo? It was <laughs> all some a dream. Convenient loophole, exactly. Yeah, I'm getting tired. They do of love their, it's all a dream thing. <laughs> they do love their temporal stuff in Star Trek. I can just see that happening. Yeah, true. I'm hoping they don't go that route because I mean, as much as I like uh, Colbert. Mm. If if you're gonna go through, if you're gonna kill him, then he should stay. See, I, I didn't think that they were gonna reset it. Um, I thought that um, basically, you know, the the mycelial network exists beyond space and time. I figured he would just kind of, <coughs> excuse me, um, still be there. So basically, he can kind of like his his spirit is still <laughs> able to contact him or whatever. No, I, I, yeah. Star Wars? Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It's kind of, I was thinking the same thing, as he'd still exist in Stamets' mind in some form. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's the way I, I didn't see that scene. So there, there's a scene about halfway through the episode where Stamets sees Culber in the, in the mycelial network. But, you know, the scene right before that... He's suddenly on the Discovery, and Mirror Stamets tells him, well, that's just the mycelial network showing you something that makes you feel more comfortable. So I was thinking that he's just seeing an image of Culber, and Culber's just telling him things that he already knows. You know, he he already knows. Like, we, we talked about in an episode, I don't know if it was last episode or the one before that, whether or not Stamets knows that Culber is dead. And we kind of surmised that he did know and, you know, he's just, you know, his mind was out, you know, playing hacky sack somewhere. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but now he's kind of able to get his footing and, and he's able to figure out, yeah, okay, I know I know that he's that he's dead. And so this image of him is, is explaining that to him because he's also telling him, you know, you need to get out of here. You need to save the save the ship and all this kind of stuff. He's telling him things that he already knows. Except. So that's why I think he's not really talking to Colbert. He's talking to an image that the Mycelial Network is using to uh, make him more comfortable. Except that the one thing that Come the on. the image that Colbert does tell him that he doesn't know is that Mirror Stamets is a bastard. Well, but that's that's something else that he could have. Like I, I I don't want Sean's theory to be correct because it's yeah. not romantic at all but <laughs> but, I, but I can't argue with the logic of it. it like there's there's nothing that Culber told him that uh, Stamets wouldn't have suspected or or intuited on his own because Stamets kind of already knows that he himself is a bastard oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Actually, can I so another version of him Go just ahead. jump in with one of the one of the problems I had with this episode, um, him playing opposite Stamets, playing opposite himself, for me just felt really artificial. Um, and it was because there's not two of them, but um, <laughs> it, it it just felt clunky and it felt Basil exposition and it felt like it was for Wendy. And I just 
sorry, bringing in old old school super syndicated terms there. <laughs> um, but it, it just felt too much exposition. And I, I, I think it was probably just the way that particular bit of script was written. Uh, I don't know if it was the performance. I just think it was, yeah, how it played out, really. Yeah, well, even if Culber was a manifestation, you got to admit the the interaction between him and Stamets in that in that room was just heartbreaking, and it was very tender. I mean, that's probably the most tender moment the two of the the two actors, if not the characters, have had in the whole show. Besides mm. them admitting they loved each other two episodes ago but it was I, it was the first time i believed their relationship actually yeah that too that's why I'm, that's really yeah it got but awful I, dusty in here i'm telling you uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's onions in here no um but i i'm still as i i mentioned on the movie news i said i i am tired of them killing off the gay characters <laughs> for plot devices they're uh, it's there's a term for it now called fridging the gay. Fridging, <laughs> yeah, fridging comes from there was a plot way back in uh, the Green Lantern comic books where they killed his girlfriend and put her body in a fridge so that he would become Green Lantern. Uh, that's where the fridging came from, and then the gay attitude, obviously, because of re- some recent TV shows and movies where they kill off the gay love interest for whatever reason so that the other person can't be happy. And this has happened too frequently lately, and I'm tired of it. Why can't gay characters be happy? Why Hell, why can't the straight people be happy? Well, I was just going to say, I, I, while <laughs> I know that the, the burying your gaze is a, is a problem, and I'm not in any way trying to minimize that, but when is the last time anyone on Star Trek had a happy relationship? <laughs> uh, Troy and Riker? That that all happened uh, off screen. Eventually, <laughs> yeah, because they they were you know they were on again off again for like twenty years or something. Yeah, and and right after their their marriage, they got attacked by a giant fucking Romulan ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't die, yeah, so and, they're still together. Well, not in that one. Yeah, there, there's only in all good things she died. Couples. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's only two couples on the show. And and both of them are kind of going through this. Which I mean, Ash hasn't died. But, <laughs> well, that you know, that, that mess we're gonna get to. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, just just the fact that the the Colbert and Stamets is the only romantic relationship that we've seen. And I guess if they 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 wanted a character to uh, to have to go through something like that, and it just happened to be that character, I don't know. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, it, I'm just, uh, and as Rick has mentioned with comic books, like they keep messing with uh, relationships in comics. Like DC keeps saying, "Well, no, no, no superhero can be happy." I'm like, this is carrying over into a lot of our sci-fi and fantasy shows now, and movies that they can't be happy either. I'm like, come on, guys, Ugh, just, just. <laughs> Happy endings are there for a reason, uh, because it makes us feel better. And relationships are the. I know it's Disney, whatnot, but we love our happy endings, and we love our couples having their happily ever after. And for some reason, we're going the complete opposite direction of that in in recent years, and I don't get it. 
Well, again, as and and again, I'm 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 not disagreeing with you at all, but I do want to put out the caveat that I that and you know I think we all keep forgetting that we are on hour twelve of a fifteen hour episode, mm-hmm. yeah. and so we don't know what's going to happen by the end of this. And and like John like John said, um, I. And and John, I'm glad you said this because I hadn't really considered this, because that was another thing that bothered me about this episode. Even after what uh, uh, Brandon Brandon said last week, uh, which I'm trying to incorporate into my mind about writers wanting to make it just hard enough so that when people figure uh, it out, they feel better about themselves. Mm. Um, the fact that every quote unquote twist in this week's episode we saw a mile away. But that yeah, being but, but said, we, we did have the hive mind to figure it out. Uh, I well, all I right, mean, yeah, yeah. Um, Heather Barker has been asking. Uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Heather. She's been on a couple of my shows before, and she's just she's wonderful. Um, and she she's on the uh, the the shore leave and Disco Trek shows over at the Tricorder Transmissions. Um, and she brought up do do she was asking people on her show do you think that you would have figured this out without the internet telling you about it and i probably wouldn't have foreseen ash uh, mm. although, uh although i did foresee volk becoming human it's just the way they did it i didn't buy it until they finally explained it um but i you know i don't know if i would have guessed lorca I'm pretty well, sure I would have figured out Giorgio before we saw her. Okay, I figured out Ty pretty quick, except I didn't think it was Valk. I thought he was someone else. But um, when, okay, you got to remember way back when they were doing the promo stuff for the show before it came out, and they said originally the actor playing Ty was going to play a Klingon, and then suddenly they said, oh no, he was recast. Yeah, I just took that at its face value. Ah, See? (laughs) See, that was... No, they just pulled a J.J. Abrams on us. Ha ha! (laughs) See, I... Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I I employed smoke mode a little bit because I'm I'm notoriously terrible at not working shit out because I tend to just watch everything and take it at face value. I was going to say, I'm I'm the same way. I'm the same way. (laughs) But with this, from probably two episodes in well two episodes including Lorca in um <laughs> i i had my suspicions about him and obviously yes I, that probably does feed into the internet stuff before anything started because we knew that there was mirror universe and frakes or frakes said about the mirror universe and so i had heard that and i maybe that fed into my suspicions about Lorca, but his attitude his way of doing things never sat right as a federation captain with me he was too he was too warlike as as we know and i had my suspicions that he wasn't this version of him um whether i actually went all the way in my brain as to he's from the mirror universe i don't know but I, I, he, I, I've been keeping an eye on him. <laughs> yeah. See, I thought, I thought he was also brainwashed like like I thought Ty was initially. Uh, I, yeah, I thought he was also a prisoner of war who had been fucked with. Of course, uh, I not twist yet as well. Yeah. And I was, saying, I was saying for a while, sorry, John, but I was saying for a little bit, I was like, oh, I don't think Ty's the real sleeper agent. I think Lorca's the real sleeper agent. And my husband's like, no. I said, well, something's <laughs> off with him. 
Uh, well, do do ahead, do we think that uh, Lorca knew that Ash was Voke? No. Uh, no. Or that something was no, off. No, I, I think that I think that he knew something was off with him, but because he was very quick to, to want to bring him on his ship, maybe he wanted to keep his eye on him or something like that. I don't know. Uh, because he made him chief of security about ten minutes after he met right. him, you know. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, I, I think he knew. So I didn't. I don't think that he knew that he was a Klingon. But you know that whole thing with Ash and Vok, they telegraphed that to us two episodes before they told us. You know, they started. They started having him have those flashbacks. Yeah. In the in the finale from part one. You know, and then uh, and then and then when they came back, he started having more. And then finally, last episode, he came out and said, you know, I am Volk, um, which another thing that I didn't mention last week is kind of a thing about modern television. When they do these uh, when they do these things at the beginning of an episode, that, that when they tell you previously on Star Trek Discovery and they show you some scenes, you can tell what's going to happen in that episode based on what they show mm-hmm. you in that. I never because watched those. he's. I turn him off. Yeah, but, yeah he said. Uh, he he said in that on on not this episode but the last one. He said in that. Um, so we could possibly run into another version of ourselves. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, he's going to run into Miravok in this episode. And he did. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and you know something I realized, uh, like the day after we recorded last week. Um, remember, I was joking about don't Klingons have anesthetic. Yeah. And then I realized that the only person we saw in agony was Ash. And that's when it dawned on me that what what, what we were seeing was them harvesting Ash's organs while he was awake and transferring yeah. them over to Valk. Mm-hmm. And that just yeah. really fucked with me for a couple of days. <laughs> you see, this is... Well, I want to I talk a little bit about about the the transition uh, because we got a little bit of an explanation from Laurel, but and I only saw the episode once. So, so Rick, you saw it twice. Maybe you can explain it a little more. The way Laurel explained it in this episode is different than how Colbert explained it a couple episodes back. Because Colbert basically said they shortened your limbs, your organs have been rearranged, and made it sound as if Vox's body had been turned into human, basically, or appears to be human. But when Laurel said it, she said that Vox consciousness had been put into Tyler's body. So it kind of they kind of go against each other. I don't know if Laurel is just not being truthful. Well, she's not exactly <laughs> the most truthful. So why? Far. Why would she not be truthful about that? Because it doesn't matter either way. I mean, there's the, the it's it's the same thing whichever way you go. I just wish that they would uh, just explain it, explain exactly what they did, <laughs> so that we know if we're dealing with. Uh, a Klingon that's been turned into a human, or a human that's just had a Klingon psyche put. No, he's he's a he's that's Vox body that has been modified with Ash's organs put into it, and then Ash's personality, personality put over Vox personality. And I kind of imagine that maybe it's kind of a Frankenstein way of looking at things, but they would have had to have take Ash's head. And put it on this body because their heads are not the same size. Their skulls are completely different, you know. So I don't know if you, I, I, if you remember from first contact when the 
when the the Borg Queen's body with her spinal column is being lowered down into her body, I'm wondering if they did something along that where it's like his head with his whole spinal column going into the other body or something like that. Okay, anyone anyone that knows me or has listened to me on the Starbase for the past decade, uh, just shut up for a second. <laughs> Uh, I, I think you're reading a little too hard into this show. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> Just when you're gonna, if you're gonna explain a, a a science experiment or a science procedure or something like that. I just don't want what you say later to contradict what you already said. I, I, I got the sense. I just want you to follow your own rules. I think you, you got to consider the source with Laurel. She wasn't she right. wasn't giving them a, a you know a step by step primer on how to do this. She was, you know, pretty upset, and you know she said they harvested Tyler's DNA, uh, but you know she was getting ready to essentially kill her lover. Yeah, and she did the death scream at the end. Yes, I was so pleased about that. Um, That's so, one thing I love so about Clinton. When we saw that, that I was thinking that too. She's she's screaming to Stovacor that they have a warrior coming, and and uh, and we're essentially seeing Vok die. Um, do, do we we think that Ash survived that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, he has yeah. to. He's a main character. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, maybe. so was Giorgio, but <laughs> it killed her. No, Giorgio was a guest star. Uh oh. <laughs> well, the problem that I have with it is that there's so much more that could have that could have been told with this whole Vok Ash thing. We just they just told us last episode definitely that Vok and Ash are the same person, and then the next episode Vok's dead. There, there's no more conflict. It's just over. So I, I really wish that they had fleshed that out more. Well, I, I, I still have a theory that this is leading into the more humanoid-looking Klingons that we'll see in TOS. Yeah, that's that's kind of where where I was. What I remember back when when uh, was it episode maybe three, uh, where they had that they almost did it in the in the the Shenzhou's, uh engine room. And then she told Valk he would have to sacrifice everything, and I said he's he's going to become the human Klingon. Um, yeah, you know I still think that's that's where they're going. I I don't think we've seen the end of the conflict for Ash. Um, if if it is, then the writers have totally blown a chance here. I don't think they're that. Oh well, all right. The dude they had on After Trek last night could probably do something that stupid. But I don't think the rest of them would let him. Um, well, here's a challenging question. Given yeah. the given the dramatic shift in tone and aesthetic and everything for this series, do we think that perhaps the creators are arrogant enough to not care about bringing the Klingons back to that humanoid look? No, because they said they're going different. to. They've they said it's right. all gonna. They've said it's all gonna dovetail in by the end of the series. Not necessarily the end of the season, but they mm. said it's all. Uh, you know, none of this is going to conflict with canon. Okay. Um. Uh, now, speaking, what? Ex- go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say what you know what that exactly means. We don't know yet, but. Uh, mm. uh, just for myself, I don't particularly need to see any more internal conflict between Ash and Volk. I'm, I've, I've got 
I'm good. I'm good. Mm. Like you don't. I'm. I'm. I'm good. <laughs> because I, I. And again, that was one of the things that I liked about the way that they did it. There wasn't some long, pronounced sleeper agent. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. No, they had one episode where he starts to figure it out, where he gets he gets activated, and then he's 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 full vault by the end of the next episode. I, I like that. Keep it moving because I, I don't. I agree. I, I don't. Yeah, and so I don't. To me, for there to be uh, like a continuing internal conflict on some level, that would be moving backwards in terms of the storyline, and I don't want that. See, that's why I think there's a reset coming up because they are every time Star Trek has gotten this deep into fucking up everybody on the show. <laughs> now, I would I'll be happy. I'll do a I'll do a little happy dance if I'm proven wrong. If they if they actually because, you know, like. On Voyager, when they did the year of hell. Instead of being one two-part episode, that should have been an entire season, and it should have stayed like that at the end of that season, and Ron Moore wanted to, and they wouldn't let him, and that's why we got Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would love to see a Star Trek series that has the cojones to to just beat the shit out of its characters and leave them beaten and let the let them deal with the aftermath. I just... Well, they haven't I'm pulled so, many punches so far, have they? So no. I'm and that's of, why I'm hopeful yeah yeah they did say at the beginning when, before the show started they did say that that they're not going to be afraid to kill main characters not not a la game of thrones style where you see somebody you know brutally murdered every episode but <laughs> well not every episode yeah. but <laughs> no, they've already killed Rick. off the doctor but uh, but uh, and the, and obviously George O is no longer with us but uh, they did also say that all of the characters are flawed in some way which i'm actually happy about uh, because we've had so many uh, series and characters who are just essentially like Kirk and 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 Picard and and all these people who are who can do no wrong or if they do wrong they end up redeeming themselves too way too quickly. Though, hey, Captain I, Kelly can do no wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask. That's y'all. another thing. Go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, let me, let me ask y'all a question. Did any of the people uh, in, on this show tonight feel that Burnham was a Mary Sue? That she was a little too perfect? No. Ever? I mean, no, I didn't. Okay, because I've heard that a lot. I've heard people, oh, Mary Sue. She, Mary. Actually, I, she's just fucked up things worse. Well, exactly. That's you know. oh, I'm and, sorry. The, yeah, the point at which she's like, I want to see your ship. Oh, yeah, okay. Let me just set that up for you right away. It's like, really? You're going to yeah. let her see the spore drive? And you just told her immediately what your ship's secret uh, was. And I'm like, why? I, I didn't understand that. I, I know she's trying to save her own bacon, but... Well, I didn't she gave that. far too much info. I felt like she did. She ran the math. She did the numbers. There is no. She would certainly kill her. So yes, there there was that. But Jojo um, would have certainly killed her. Yes, Jojo would absolutely mm-hmm. have killed Burnham if she had lied. And Burnham calculated probably correctly that she would know if she was lying. Because there is a Stamets in the Mirror Universe, there's a Burnham in the Mirror Universe. Like there's, she doesn't know how much she knows, mm. and she does need her help to get back. And it, she doesn't have a shit poker face. 
She yes. really does. And, and and again, it's it's classic Burnham. She she calculated the odds of, you know, it might not be the smartest move, but like yeah, she did the math, and it's probably the best move she's got. Well, she also, I mean, she didn't really have anything to lose because she went onto that ship fully expecting to die. Because she she was talking to Lorca on the way there that this is kind of her comeuppance, you know, for committing mutiny against Giorgio. You know, she's still, she's blaming her, herself. You know, a lot a lot of characters in her situation would be blaming the system for giving, them, giving her such a harsh sentence, you know, when she was just trying to do what she thought was right. But she really f- feels like she deserves to be punished and she's expecting it to happen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So... So when she went to that ship, uh, she uh, she was not expecting to leave. I liked that the uh, the palace was a big starship. That was it looked kind of like a love boat. Actually, my husband and I have a theory that because remember they named it the Charon, which is of course as we mentioned the ferryman of, to the dead. I'm like I think this is the mirror universe's ship of the dead that the Klingons had. I thought of that too. Do you know what I just realized? Another pronunciation of of Charon is Sharon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyone know the Star Trek connection with the name Sharon? No. no. Oh, you children. Who do you think I am, Scott? You children. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most famous Star Trek TOS episodes that people like to make fun of, but was also one of the best ones they ever did, was called Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, where the characters oh, were black on one yes. side and white on the other. That's right. Oh, yeah, Their yeah. home planet was Sharon. Sharon, that's right. Oh. You oh. <laughs> cut, Mr. Tetro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. That's why um, I'm the Admiral. <laughs> so, Michael, <laughs> so Michael uh, tells Giorgio, I mean, she's. It's either, it's either do or die. You know, she's going to be killed. But she tells Giorgio that she is. A mirror version of her Michael. Because Giorgio wants to kill her for betraying her. And we find out that Michael's parents in this universe still died, but instead of being raised by Sarah, she was raised by Giorgio. Mm-hmm. Because she says, You used to call me mother, you know, all that. But, she, but she's still willing to kill her, <laughs> you know, for betraying her and, and all that. So, uh, but when she does tell her, Giorgio believes her. Or as far as what I can tell, she believes her. Oh yeah, well, because she, know, she already because knows. She already knows that all that stuff exists. Yeah, yeah. So um, um, when when the um, Mirror Universe episode happened in the original series, it's been so long since I've seen it. Uh, were we were we seeing a, a two universes that didn't know anything about each other? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so well, okay. Again, we have to go back to what I've been saying about this this series since the very beginning. All we know for sure is that the people on board the ISS Enterprise that we saw were unaware of the the all, the mirror universe, and it is very clear that the crew of the USS Enterprise have no idea. Okay. Yeah, and it's a big. It, it, there are two big universes out there. So. Yeah, because because that's <laughs> so something be I think. Other stories. I think you're going in a direction I was going to bring up is that 
they cannot go back to our universe with a knowledge of the Defiant. Because, I mean, there, there's a lot of that. Well, you gotta, remember, you gotta remember, Archer's the one who found the Defiant the first time. No, Mirror Archer found the, the Defiant. Okay, well, yeah. still, I mean, the Defiant's been in the passing through like three or four times between the two universes. Well, like, no, 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 it hasn't. Um, the the here's the problem. In TOS, the Tholian web is when we see the Defiant. It's caught in interphasic space, um, and the crew goes insane and kills each other, um, and then. It disappears. Uh, Enterprise then took that and said, okay, it disappears, but it went back in time and appeared in the mirror universe. I was like, all right, that was fun. Uh, I actually really liked the Enterprise uh, through through a mirror darkly or in a mirror darkly, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but now we have to deal with the ramifications of a crew from before the Defiant went to that part of space, coming back into the Prime Universe, into the Prime Timeline, with the knowledge that that ship is going to go there. Now, are they either going to somehow lose that information, lose that knowledge, or are they going to make a decision that the temporal purity must be maintained and we can't ever tell anyone this happened? You know what? Where are they going to go with this? They've they it, as far as I can see, this is a big corner they've painted themselves into. Well, I thought it was going to be fixed by the fact that, as you saw on the the data pad, that a lot of the information about the Defiant was blocked off, and that's why she had to go to talk to Giorgio in the first place. Was she was trying to get more info on the Defiant? I but they know it's a constitutional starship. Yeah, they it's still they still know that it exists, and and you would think that in the timeline that they're in, in the Prime Universe, it's just ten years before Star Trek. The Enterprise is already out there and already having adventures um, with Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you would think that the uh, the Defiant is out there too, somewhere. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, so when they come so. into the prime universe, should they not just get on the radio and call the Defiant? Hey, you guys need to stay away from this area on this star <laughs> date, on this star date. Don't go there. <laughs> well, and then uh, I mean, you know, it's your ta- it's your classic, you know, time paradox. If they warn the Defiant not to go back, does that mean that they can't get back? Because they'll still get. They got to the mirror universe like, through the spore drive. That just means that mm-hmm. the fire wouldn't be there to get them back. True. Well, that's when you create parallel universes. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I said, so. the writers <laughs> have painted themselves into a corner, and I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with it. I just, I can think of a lot more unsatisfying slash, in, uh, you know, infuriating ways to get out of this than I can good ways to get out of this. At this point, the writers have earned, if not my trust, at least the benefit of the doubt from it. I, I'll grant you that. They have shown themselves to be excellent, um, but I question the judgment <laughs> of setting this whole goddamn series in the Mirror Universe or as a Mirror Universe episode. Uh, well, I just kept looking at, at Giorgio in that outfit, and I was like thinking, is she Empress Hoshi's uh, descendant? I thought about that, too. Every, you know, I, I'm okay. I mentioned that 
I think a lot of us have mentioned that. And every time it comes up, somebody's usually like, you know, not all Asians are related. Well, okay. I, <laughs> well, I just think it would be cool. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know that it'll even come up. Um, that would be um, funny I, if it did, though. They, yeah. they did make a point to call her, uh, was it, Empress um, uh, Aponica? Like something, or, something Centauri or Centaurius. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, um, Eoponica, e- e- which is which means of of Japan, and I and I and I and I looked it up, and Hoshi is Japanese. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe yeah, not. Yeah, the actors but I'm are not, not. I'm not sure that Michelle Yeoh is Cambodian uh, or no? I, I she's no Chinese. She oh, she's Chinese, and and Linda Park is is Korean. Korean. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah, know. People, so I was, yeah, and I think that, that I, even like, if uh, Hoshi, Hoshi is, is Japanese. That's well, all the character's Japanese, but the actress is, is Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's, yes. Even Hoshi. if they wanted to go that way, they'd probably just make it like a... That's that's a fan theory or something that's out there. They might they probably won't ever address it, because how often in everyday life do you talk about your great-great-great-grandfather? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, but we if did learn emperor, something. I talk about him all the time. Yeah, true. Unless you are the emperor, <laughs> you learn something. Your own. Th- think of it this way: if, if, uh, well, never mind. I don't want to forget it. Ignore me. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did learn something that I thought was very creepy. Uh, we found out. Well, re- really, we found out two things about Lorca. <laughs> uh, we found out why Lorca is so protective of Michael, and it's because, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We have I, I have theories about how Mirror Lorca came to the Prime Universe and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Lorca and Michael are a couple in the Mirror Universe. He groomed her from childhood. It, it's a total, is, like, uh, I keep thinking of Celine Dion and, and Renee. What's his face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he was, ser- he was serving, like, he was working for the Emperor... And she was raising Michael, so he was around her throughout her entire childhood. And now they're in a they're in a relationship, or they were. Well, which I'd like to I'd like to find out how it came about that Michael was the one that uh, that turned him in, or whatever. But that's why he's so protective of her, because number one, he needs her to get back to the emperor, and number two, he's in love with her. Uh, or he's in love with a version of her. I don't know how. I don't know if I would use the term relationship because yeah, because well, it's Lor- it's Lorca, and it and it could it could just be once again the long game. I need her to trust me. I need her. I need to be able to manipulate her, and I can do it this way. And yeah. it's you know it's, it's it's the chess piece thing again. It, it, it he may honestly have feelings for her. Or he could just be Lorca, Lorca-ing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, Lor- Lorca is still one. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, I, I have yeah. one question. <laughs> I have one question. Where in the hell did they pull out of their ass that all the Mirror Universe Terrans have bad uh, sensitivity to light. 
Where did that? What? <laughs> that's just something that they that because they wanted that moment for you to realize that that's stupid. Why it's, he was sensitive I to life did, the entire season? They just kind of so sad. Yeah, yeah, basically. But they just pulled that out of their ass. I it, like that never was the case before. It wasn't the case after. What? <laughs> <laughs> I like that there was a guy in the throne room whose whole job was just to hold blunt weapons for uh, for the Emperor right. to get from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just just waited until you know someone needs to get hit in the stomach. Step forward. Can can somebody explain to me why Giorgio decided she needed to kill everybody in the room? Because Except the existence of the mirror of the of our universe is uh, very dangerous information. It's the um, of because yeah. the the ideals of the Federation, as we as we see later on, once that contamination runs rampant through the Empire, the Empire falls pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because if you want to, if you want one person you can trust, you kill the other six standing next to him. Exactly. <laughs> Horribly. <laughs> that was that was the best line, Lord Ealing. Can you keep a secret? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I can. <laughs> yes, ma'am, sir. Sir, ma'am. Can you clean all that up? Uh, clean what up? <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's that's the, um, the, the most frustrating thing about this is I loved every second of this episode. Michelle Yeoh nails this part so well. Um, and and the sword is gorgeous. But Boz, are you aware that she helped them design that sword? No. There I'm was not a surprise. <laughs> I, I'm not either. On, on After Trek last week, the Aaron, uh, not Aaron, uh, one of the producers was on, and he was talking about how the prop man was trying to make this sword, and she was giving him, you know, no, this, not that. And, like, there was one moment she was literally on the tarmac getting on a plane, and he runs up to her and shows her the sword, and she's looking at it, and she goes, no, this needs to be longer, you need to change this. And he's like, great, great, and he runs off and does it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Boz, you didn't. You didn't I don't know that. if you heard this. Um, let me throw this at you because you. I mean, I think you'll appreciate this idea. Um, I want to see a show where Michelle Yeoh and Ming Na Wen have to fight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Agents of Shield recently, and uh, <laughs> actually, I just got to the point of: Does every episode of Agents of Shield have to end up with a ten-minute fight where she just kicks everybody's ass up and down the room? Then I thought. Yeah, why not? I quite <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> My favorite one is still the one where she's fighting uh, a clone of herself, basically, because of that face mesh thing. And she jump, does the jump backward, grab head, oh, yeah. slam coffee table move. Oh, yeah. It's glorious. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd pay to see that fight. Uh, Saru is not doing a terrible job of being captain of the ship. In my opinion. What do you guys think? We actually got to an episode where he didn't say anything about being a prey species. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but someone did eat his brother. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, he has. He asked Michael in the last episode if she had seen any Kelpians, and she told him no. The only one that she had seen was him. Don't ask her that question again. <laughs> in fact, I'm, I'm going to be so... When she finally gets back to discovery and sees him is she going to start getting like sicker to her stomach again that's what i'm wondering 
And he'll be like, what? What? <laughs> you know, your people are pretty tasty. I mean, shit. Mm. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that smell? Uh. It's either that or she's going to spend all her time trying to scare him. So the ganglia come out because she's now developed a taste for it. And she'll just come up behind him with a pair of scissors. Sorry, I watched too many horror films. <laughs> We're just going to get that Looney Tunes moment where she's looking at uh, at Saru and all of a sudden he turns into a turkey leg and then turns back <laughs> into Saru. <laughs> uh, okay, so I have a theory about Lorca. Okay, we know that Lorca is from the Mirror Universe. So my theory is that the Mirror Universe of My Michael Burnham died. He somehow came to the Prime Universe for two reasons. Uh, to find her... And also to uh, to get her to help him kill Giorgio. He went to the Prime Universe and destroyed the Baran. So that he could take Prime Universe's Lorca's place. And everybody thinks that uh, yes. he destroyed the Baran with his crew on board. So that the, the Klingons wouldn't be able to take him hostage. But really he was just he was trying to get rid of the evidence of who he was. Yeah, he, he killed everybody including himself. Yeah, right. Now, do you think he came to our universe on purpose, or do you think he found himself here? And... Uh, I think he found himself here and just realized an opportunity. I think he came here on purpose. I think he came here to get Michael because his version of Michael had died, and he needed her to get him back to the uh, to the Emperor somehow because he knew that he would be killed before he ever got to her. He See, also I had th- a pretty clear idea about filling in the blanks in the spore drive map with all those jumps yeah that yeah he knew devious. exactly he knew exactly I, how I to think, get back i think that he came here on purpose and i think that he is in uh, cahoots with stamets which stamets the battle of stamets the other band okay. mirror stamets darth stamets yeah. Darth Stamets. Darth Stamets. Darth Stamets. <laughs> <Darth Stamets. laughs> By the way, I don't know if any of you, I, I don't know if any of y'all caught it. I certainly didn't. But uh, somebody posted a screen cap on one of the the, the groups I'm on, on the the sport uh, on the 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 discovery that they're on board in the spore drive in the in the the, the mycelial mycelial network. Mm-hmm. The dedication plaque says the USS Stamets. Oh, right. oh I didn't catch that. <laughs> I definitely did not see that. The the um, mycelial network seems to have something wrong with it, uh, like it's diseased or something. You know, it was it was turning dark, it was turning red at, at certain points, and it was kind of a uh, it was trying. Seemed like it was trying to eat uh, mirror stamets. <laughs> you yes. know. Uh, so, are we starting to see the beginnings of an explanation as to why the spore drive? didn't last because maybe the mycelial network is corrupted and they can't use it you know or I, go, ahead. go ahead john i've been talking a lot go ahead i, I was gonna say i hope not because i mean I, i'm fine with that as an explanation as to why they can't use it now but they basically implied that the mycelial network is the arteries of the universe and if it were corrupted it i think the effects would be more than just we can't teleport anymore it would be like you know it'd be like removing the veins from a person like it, it would not work right that yeah that was that was definitely the implication was that this is a problem that will destroy everything yeah. but i i i think what's going to happen 
uh, and this just occurred to me, I don't think it's going to be a matter of they can't use it. I think it's going to be a matter of where where it's becoming very clear that there's an intelligence to the network. Mm -hmm. And I think when all is said and done, the network's going to say, you guys suck. You're out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can see that. Okay. That's pretty much all the notes that I had for the episode. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to, to, uh, to bring up? Um, I, this is my first time on here. Um, I did want to just, from my bi- very biased point of view, um, just say how much I love the whole aesthetic of this series and the uh, splattery, bloodly goriness of it, the death, the destruction. It's, I mean, it's the darkest Star Trek ever, and it, they just keep... They seem to keep upping the ante and a, a full human body explosion this week. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, yeah, they start, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they started with a couple of F-bombs and then they went to Klingon boobs and now Klingon they've boobs. gone to spontaneous combustion. I mean, where yeah. can they go from here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a question. Um, okay. the, the black woman that Saru is dealing with in sick bay is she the head doctor? Do we know who the head doctor is? I don't know. I, it, that's a, one of the very interesting things about this series is that, you know, they announced it at the beginning, before the show even started, that we would be following the lesser characters, that our, you know, our lead would not be the captain. Uh, and they, they've really stuck to that. And it doesn't really, it doesn't bother me. You know, no, it, we, does, we, it we doesn't were talking, bother me, but I'm, I'm, I, was, I was curious. Like, I, well, I, no, yeah, and that, that's, but, but, the fact is, it didn't even occur to me to wonder: Have we even seen the CMO of the of the Discovery? Um, you know, because we talked about. Remember, we talked last week about who was on the bridge, uh, and you know, who know? Do, do we know anybody's name on the bridge be- besides Detmer? And the answer is no. <laughs> uh, and so just... I don't. I would assume that you know the doctor we saw. You know, obviously, if 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 uh, Culber wasn't the chief the chief doctor, there's a shitload of doctors on the Discovery, yeah. um, which seems a little weird. They have a medical staff, yeah. Um, I think they're the medical equivalent of red shirts, but they're white shirts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like where did all the black badges go? Well, right. And, um, I, I I do watch with the captions on usually, and. When she spoke, they didn't have a name for her, and I and I and I meant to look in the credits uh, to see, you know, what her name was. I, I just forgot. Um, but I, I mean, I'm it, it. I don't need to know, but I am curious. I guess. Okay, let's let's see what the oracle has to say. Uh, this was called the Wolf Inside, right? Uh, no, no, this was vaulting ambitions. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Sorry about the thunderous typing, folks. <laughs> I, I have a piece of sound dampening foam, un, un, foam under my microphone, and it apparently does shit. <laughs> it is a stealth keyboard. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at IMDb, and they don't have anybody. Because it was a black lady, right? And there's nobody in the list whose picture is of a black woman other than Sonequa Martin-Green. Right. So... <laughs> So, uh, so they didn't. They don't have her listed as as being a named character anyway. So, so yeah. Seems I mean, like she had like a a lot of scenes with Saru. Like it, it wasn't just your standard 
you know, bring me the clipboard, I'll sign it and walk away. Like she was, you know. And again, it's it's not a problem, but it, it is it is a new or interesting uh, dynamic that they've introduced on this show, where they don't even really introduce uh, characters like that. Now, after Trek didn't really teach us anything that we didn't know this week. Um, this was the worst after Trek ever. I tapped out after about Jonathan 10 minutes. Fra- and Jonathan Frakes was there. Yeah. I was really expecting this. He was, but, um, he was obsessed with Frakes' trombone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, the, the, the problem I've been having with After Trek, last episode literally had the producer saying, if I answer your question, I'll be fired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Mira is just asking questions that cannot be answered without spoiling the shit out of the series. And I'm like, what the hell, dude? Um, I, I turned it off after because he almost got the writer that was on and what is that dude like 15 17 something like that um <laughs> almost got him to spoil episode 13 and he like just barely caught himself yeah the only thing that he really said he he kind of asked him well is Giorgio on michael's side and it's like well Giorgio's a bad person yeah <laughs> you know the emperor's not the emperor's not a good guy <laughs> you know so uh wait no and, she's uh, raven dowda dr pollard oh okay Okay, just another doctor. Just, just a, yeah, just as doctor. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, the only other thing that I got from After Trek was that uh, Jonathan Frakes doesn't remember enough about the Next Generation because he said that uh, <laughs> he, he he said that the best of both worlds part one was the end of season four. <laughs> that was oh, the end of season three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well. But yeah, uh, <laughs> well, he's, I'll forgive him. I know uh, it's also <laughs> know. been 30 years. I mean, give a man a break. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, you know, I'm sure William Shatner's never seen an yeah. episode of Star Trek. You know, <laughs> I didn't know it either. Jonathan Frakes, you're, you're doing yeah. great. <laughs> like, like ask William Shatner, what was the combination? <laughs> yeah. Have you guys, Get a have life. you guys ever seen that skit? <laughs> yeah. The Saturday Night Live skit where he's at the, uh, He's at a con, and some guy asks him, "Hey, in that episode of Star Trek, blah 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 blah, whatever, uh, when you went and got something out of the safe, do you remember what the combination was?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's pretty much all I've got. Uh, if you guys don't have anything, anything else to add, uh, I'm done we'll... whining. I just, I just, you know, I like the sound effects in Sick Bay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a moment when when it got really quiet for a second and uh, and everything uh, you could hear those classic sounds. I, I, I like that when they when they do that and they do it at least once every episode or so. You you can hear that stuff in the background. It's pretty cool. Did y'all buy it that Laurel was upset by what was happening to Tyler? Yes and no. Yeah. I bought that it was happening to Vok as well. Like they were like it was killing both of them. Or is torturing both of them. Yeah, I don't think she. I don't think she gives a. I don't think she gives a rat's patootie about uh <laughs> about Tyler. <laughs> yeah, but but Vok, yeah, she. I think I think that she's going to be mourning uh, him. And I'm wondering what's going to happen with her character after this because she's still there. She's. I mean, she's on the ship. So I'm wondering if uh, she's going to be integrated into that. She's actually one of the characters I really like because of the fact they said right from the get-go she's from a house of people who deceive people. And I was yeah. like, oh, she's just going to 
fuck with everybody. And yeah, she's fucking with everybody for her own means. And I love her yeah. for it. I think I she's one of the most interesting characters on the show. <laughs> I want to see what they do with her from here on. Like if she escapes, which she's probably going to possibly with Tyler's help. Um, you know, and where she goes from there, because I think she's a strong character, and we haven't seen the last of her for a very long time. Um, I don't think she's. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't expect her to escape so much as I think that she can do things in this. Well, in any universe, really, but she can do things, and she has access to to people and information that no one else on the Discovery has. And they'll need her to to get back home. Maybe, but or she may stay here. She may stay in the mirror universe and do her own thing. Uh, Especially since this the Vok over here is still Vok, and they told Ah, her that. Yeah, so she may go uh, if he's alive. Uh, I say we don't know that any of them survived the bombardment. So. Yeah, if that's a good still point. Alive, she may go yeah. with that Vok and do something over in this universe. I mean, that's entirely possible. Or she could go back with the rest of the Discovery crew and cause more havoc in the Prime universe, which she could cause a lot of havoc. <laughs> you know, I, I want yeah. I want her to meet up with Mirror Universe Laurel and just like go around solving crimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, um, one last question before we go. Uh, and uh, I don't know how much of a discussion this will be. Do y'all think that assuming that what she did, what we saw her do is what we think it was, and that the Valk personality is truly dead, is there redemption for Tyler? Do we see him next season as a member of Discovery Crew? I think so. Possibly, yeah. yeah. I think so because I think if not, I think that they would have just killed both of them. Yeah, they put but, a lot, they invested uh, a lot into that character up to this point, like screen time wise, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got a story yet. I don't know what it is, but yeah, and there was kind of a spoiler because episode fifteen, the title of it refers to marriage in some form. Uh, it was like I I take this ring or something like that is the title of. And the will you take, th- my, take, hand. take yeah, my hand? Yeah, yeah. So it's referring to some type of relationship, whether it's Ty and Michael or somebody else. We're not sure yet. <laughs> or it, look, it could just be a, <laughs> it could just be a bat left and the end of someone's arm. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> will you take my hand? Yes, I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> I want to see Mirror Cornwall show up, and she's the one that stops uh, Lorca. <laughs> Before you all start writing, it's Cornwell. Cornwell, Pardon, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> these are, I can't These are Star Trek fans we're dealing right, with. So. We've got to be accurate. Uh, well, since I wasn't here last week, can I just say thumbs up for them giving Sarek the Spock beard? Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> I clucked that as well. <laughs> Yes. There must be. There must just be a mirror universe Vulcan uh, way to way that you're supposed to look. You're supposed to have a goatee, I guess. Uh, It's like it's like uh, coming of age for a mirror universe. It's like learning how to shave (laughs) or tying a tie to get your goatee. You know what? I, I, (laughs) uh, I did have one more 
thoughts. Um, parallel universes, what do they mean? <laughs> like, uh, what does the universe... Are, are they redefining what mirror universe means? Like, as, as opposed to, I'm the same person, but I'm the bad version. Um, what if it's more nuanced than that? What if it's not just opposites, but, like, Sarek raised Burnham in Prime Universe, and, and George O raised her in the mirror universe. Maybe it's it's not so much the same person reversed, but what if it's it's like... Um, uh, it's like the same cast of characters in different roles. Yeah, I mean that's why I think I think that Discovery is redefining the Mirror Universe because uh, my wife was asking me about that when we saw Mirror Saru, and she said, "Why isn't he evil? Why is he not the Mirror version? If it's the Mirror Universe?" And I and I told her I said, "Well, nobody's." The, the fans are what calls this the, the Mirror Universe. They never said Mirror Universe on mm. here. You know, so that's just something that that's what we call it because the episode that it was introduced in was Mirror Mirror. You know, so really it's just a parallel universe and there's different circumstances that caused all these characters to take a different path in life and it just turns out that they, they belong to an empire that's a little more... Yeah. Yeah. evil than the Federation. And you guys you remember know. that episode of TNG where what Worf kept morphing into all those different realities? It's a similar thing. Yeah, parallels. You know what yeah. I just realized? And this is going back to something I said last week that I was complaining about. In Mirror Mirror, the original Mirror Universe episode, the Terran Empire existed, but the race they were dealing with, the Halkins, were exactly the same. They were the pacifists who wouldn't give up their dilithium crystals because in our universe they felt the, the Federation would use them to harm someone. Uh, and in the mirror universe they definitely knew. Because um, I, was, I, was, I was complaining last week that the, everybody was the same except for the Terrans. Uh, but now I'm thinking there is precedent for that. Does, it still doesn't make it any better. I still hate the mirror universe. But, uh, <laughs> um, I think this well, is what I'm hoping. think that this makes... Um, go ahead, Boz. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I'm hoping at the end of this, they tie it all together in such an amazingly satisfying way that Rick has to just say, okay, I like mirror universe now. <laughs> I would be... Saying, I'll, be the hap- you, I'll be happier than you if that happens. If you dance the jig, video or it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Do we right, think there, that yeah. Lorca is? Go ahead. If, I'm if sorry. they if they tie this all up in a satisfying way, yes, I will. I will video myself jigging, <laughs> <laughs> getting jiggy with it. <laughs> Do we think that Lorca is a villain or is he going to be an antihero? Antihero. Yeah, I think so. Even though he stomped that guy's face in at the <laughs> at the end of the uh, episode. You, hey, war, you, you remember Wolverine is an antihero and he's killed plenty of people. Well, and he was That's he true. he did like have him in an agony booth and he cranked it up to eleven. So exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. And think about it, but, Deadpool, but Deadpool that, would have that, teabagged him afterwards as well. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's the fact that Michael gave him that pain uh, reducer thing, right? Injection, whatever. So he was faking it the whole time in that thing. I didn't I didn't get the sense think, that it that it negated it. I thought it just made it better. But made it Yeah, yeah it, it didn't, didn't he wasn't numb, he was just not hurting as badly. 
Yeah, took it from agony to painful. Yeah. <laughs> And I think Lork, I think Lorca is the kind of guy that probably likes it. <laughs> <laughs> he probably has one in his quarters. <laughs> yes, sir. May I have another? Is that all you got? <laughs> Turn that fucker up, damn it! <laughs> Somebody bring me a fortune cookie. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, they still have to explain the fortune cookie thing if he is from the mirror universe. Um, I thought that they did explain. Didn't they say that his family owned the fortune cookie factory? That's, that's what he prime. said. That's the prime oh, universe, yeah, that's Lorca. That's or is that he's masquerading as? Well, you know, he, he he seems to have this this kind of obsession with the idea of of destiny. So maybe he's drawn to fortune cookies for that reason, fate. And- Do you think Michael went back to her quarters after she met him for the first time and said, "Computer, access file Lorca"? Does he really come from a family that made fortune cookies? <laughs> 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 Who knows? She is trained by Vulcans. Mm. <laughs> All right. So if uh, if if Rick's theory about the uh, reset button is true, we'll probably see something about that in the next episode because the title is "What's Past Is Prologue." And as I said <laughs> before, anytime that I see past or future in a Star Trek title, I immediately think time travel. Yeah. So. There's probably going to be some form of time travel in that episode. Really and it may be that they find the that they find the um Defiant. Probably. You know. Or something like that. So at this point I almost don't want to see the Defiant. <laughs> I and, and I'm not I'm not being flip or anything. I just I, I think it was a red herring that Lorca was using as a as a way to get on board the, the palace ship. Um I think the, the the fact that they even know about the Defiant, as I said earlier, causes a lot of problems. If we actually get to the Defiant and see the Defiant, uh, assuming it's not in the palace ship, which it may very well be, um, I just... I, I'm afraid of what they will do <laughs> with the Defiant. You know, I've, I have done mental somersaults to deal with some of the changes that have happened in this show and, and to not object overly much. Uh, if we see an actual constitution class starship and they've done what they've done to all the other ships to it, I don't know that I can deal with it. Before we go, I wanted to read a couple of, um, things that have been written on our, uh, Facebook group. Uh, Christopher DeFilippis wrote, earlier in the week. So this is before the episode aired. He said, I've been, I've been resisting some Lorca slash MU fan theories, but I've been wrong before that said, you're going to have to sell me hard to make me accept it logically. And, and I commented logically, who's anything about logic. (laughs) And uh, he said, the weird thing is that I expect logic to go out the window when we're dealing with the mirror universe. It's just too ludicrous to take as anything more than an occasional cool, fun romp. But if they're going to uh, so directly tie it into the Prime Universe, my bar suddenly goes way the F up. Uh, (laughs) What I guess I'm trying to say is, welcome to my personal dichotomy disconnect hell. I like Chris Uh, a lot, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's a good guy. And then uh, Martin Beswick wrote today, uh, spoiler-free comment, which when we're past spoilers, uh, this was a much better episode than last week by allowing the characters to discover information at a sustainable pace it allowed the viewer to be carried along meaning our discovery matched theirs whether we were surprised by the denouement 
or not. Denouement. Denouement. Excuse me. Man, I, <laughs> I suck at stuff like that. <laughs> I'm from Alabama, man. I don't talk like that. I know. English is bad English. <laughs> <laughs> you not the to feel part of the revelations. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I just say he only knows that word because a, a Finnish man called him out on my podcast for using it to call something pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a theater word. I had to learn that. <laughs> Still my favorite moment. <laughs> he said, "Rick, do you realize you just used the word denouement to call something pretentious?" It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, that's all I've got. Uh, so that's going to pretty much do it for this episode. I want to remind you guys that uh, we have another podcast over at CosmicPotato.com where it's basically this show, but we talk about other things besides Star Trek. We talk about Marvel and DC and all that kind of stuff. So come over there and check that out. Uh, this this show is available at SimplySyndicated.com. It's also on iTunes and pretty much anywhere that you uh, find podcasts. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find our Facebook group, um, or you can send us an email, I mean, not an email, excuse me, a text message or a voicemail by calling area code 205-642-8380. Did you know only one person has ever done that? No, two people have done that. (laughs) I'm going to say that every time. (laughs) Every episode. (laughs) All right, I want to thank Boz for being here. Thank you for having me. It was fun. No problem. And Jen, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's good to throw in a female's point of view once in a while, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you and Allison are the only ones that have uh, are the only uh, ladies that have come on board. So, yeah. uh, John, thanks for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> and Rick, pleasure as always. Long live the Empire. <laughs> All right, so until next week, we'll, next week we'll be talking about uh, episode 13, which is called The Past is Prologue. And until then, uh, take care of yourselves. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. Your feedback is welcome. Leave us a comment and review on iTunes or follow us on Facebook. The views and opinions stated on this program are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of Simply Syndicated, CBS, Paramount Pictures, or their sponsors. Star Trek Discovery is owned by CBS and has no affiliation with Simply Syndicated or this podcast. No infringement of copyrighted material is intended. Be sure to join us again next week as we analyze another episode of Star Trek Discovery here on Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show.